Get the Balance Right, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs who want to get control of their finances, make more money, and live a balanced life. I'm your host, Heather Zeitzwolf, CPA and profitability coach. Join us each week to learn ways to run a more profitable business through inspiring discussions with financial professionals, business experts, and thought leaders. If you're looking for a quirky spin on business with a dab of woo-woo, grab your headphones. Together, we will break through our fears, live a life of abundance, and get the balance right. Hey, peeps. Have you ever thought about investing in real estate? Hmm. Does the idea of flipping property intrigue you? Are you wondering how to fund your retirement? In this episode of Get the Balance Right, we will address all of this and much, much more. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Heather Zeitzwolf, CPA and profitability coach. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Oh my God. Our guest this week is Jansen Young from Flipping Without Rehab and the co-founder with her husband, Stephen, of the Private Money Institute. Jansen is such a smarty pants with a lot of experience. Jansen worked in financial services for over 14 years and then decided to get into real estate. After becoming a successful land investor, she started teaching others to do the same. Besides her coaching, Jansen has taken her passion for the subject onto social media, where she has established a dedicated following on TikTok. The information that Jansen provides in this discussion blew my mind. I'm serious. My head was exploding from this information. She lays down some killer tactics that I have never heard before. Whether you are a real estate genius or just curious about this subject, I think you will get massive value out of this conversation. I'm keeping this intro brief because I asked Jansen tons of questions about her methods. In this episode, Jansen shares many of her tricks, tips, and secrets for making serious bank through passive income. Get out your pen and paper or your iPad or whatever you take notes on. You may need to pause it, rewind, listen again. I'm serious, folks. This interview is going to blow your mind. She is a wealth of information. So many juicy nuggets. All right, here is my discussion about real estate and land flipping with the smart and savvy Jansen Young. Jansen Young, welcome to Get the Balance Right podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. On the internet, I noticed that you go by the name Jazz. Is that right? I do. It's funny because at this point, I've changed it so many times. People that knew me as a child, I'm still Jansen. People that knew me in college and high school, I'm Jazz. And now in my professional world, it's Jansen again. So just by my name, I can tell where I'm supposed to remember you from. I like it. Jazz is very fun, though. Yep, we can go with Jazz. That's cool. You are a real dynamic woman. And I love talking to people that have all these different interests. You've had a long line of education, which I absolutely adore. I was looking at your LinkedIn bio and I'm like, wow, this lady has got a lot going on. We're going to try to unpack quite a bit of this today and then dive into the topic, which we're going to be talking about flipping land, which you've gotten into kind of, I think, more recently. Before we dive into all that, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your journey of how you got to where we are today? 
Sure. No, I'd love to. I'm a Florida girl, born and raised, and I spent most of my childhood in the church. And that was what I knew. We ate, slept, and drank everything there. So faith is the center of my community as well as my religious identities. In college, I always looked at my parents as the role model as to what I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know much. I just knew that my dad put on a suit and tie and went to work. And I figured maybe I should wear a suit and tie and go to work every day. Banking seemed like the thing that people do. So I accidentally fell into that world. And with that, I started a 13-year career in financial services with the same company that picked me up out of college. I fell into one and that was my entire experience. That's a lot of longevity. People don't stay at jobs very long anymore. So that's really cool. I personally think that's pretty admirable. I, to me, it's once you get in the trenches, then you really get to learn things. I don't understand how people jump around to different jobs, how they really get to learn much. How did you go from this financial background then to flipping land? Was there something with COVID or what happened? A lot of people did some pivots during COVID. Yeah, no, and I was definitely one of them. But land happened quite a while before that. I have to say the longevity that I had with my former employer was really because they did a great job of investing in their management and teaching people how to manage. And they weren't one of those companies that reward you for breathing for a long time. They really invested a lot. And we're not going to promote you just because you're the longest person on the team. We're going to promote you because you have real drive to coach and manage other people. And if they see that, they do a really good job of helping you build up those skills. And I'm a living testament. A lot of millennials sometimes are famous for hopping all over the place. I know the next generation behind me is just, they're ready to go out the gate. They're not trying to commit too much. If you are running a business or looking to run a business, that's something we really need to think about. How do you lead and how do you teach others to lead? And that will create loyalty that will span, in my case, more than a decade. That question, how did I end up in real estate? We were sitting in a town hall one day and my CEO had mentioned that he had just come back from vacation and it was a really special one for him. He had just gone to Machu Picchu with his daughter who was in college. And it was really special because it was the first vacation he had taken in five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was one of those pivotal moments where you're like, you see the path that you're on. It's a great path. Everything looks golden, but you get a glimpse at the destination and you're like, oh, not sure that's where I want to end up. That meeting happened five years ago. It was that month that my husband and I sat down and figured out, okay, we need to do something else. Yeah, it started from there. We read Rich Dad, Poor Dad to book a lot of real estate investors read. We got this idea that, man, we can buy a property and put some tenants in there. They'll pay my mortgage. They'll let me know if anything goes wrong with it. And they'll pay us for the rest of our lives. Like, what could possibly go wrong? When you first started out, then it sounds like you purchased, was it a multiplex or was it a single home? I call ourselves accidental real estate investors because really what ended up happening is I got pregnant. We were both living in the middle of Florida. My husband was working on one coast and I was working on the other. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was not fun times. When we got pregnant, we're like, look, I don't want to have my baby on I-4. So <laughs> something's got to give. When he got a job closer to me, we couldn't sell the house that we were living in. I'm so grateful to this day. Our broker was the one that was like, if you can't sell it, why don't you rent it? And I was like, huh. 
we can do that. Like, we're not professionals. I'm not going to be close to the property. I, are you sure? He's like, I got you. I'll manage the property for you. I'll call you if anything's wrong. But other than that, like, I got your back. And I'm proud to say we, not a lot of people cash flow on their very first property because we didn't buy it as an investment. We bought it to live in. We paid market price. But I'm very proud that we did cash flow on that property, a full $23 a month. <laughs> there you go. That's better than most. <laughs> yeah, it's better than zero. It's better than a negative. I wasn't a cash cow, but what it taught us was that you can own real estate and it not be a headache for you. You can own real estate and let it be truly passive if you put the proper management in place. And that one house was the lesson that we needed to expand our empire. And I think what was important for us is when we got into real estate, it wasn't because we just wanted more money. We got in it because we wanted to retire. And I'm in my 30s and fortunately we've made it, but retirement was the goal. So we weren't looking to flip because once you finish your flip, you're fired. <laughs> you got to find another deal. So we were always looking for something that would give us what we call forever cash. We did it with a single family on accident. And I was like, shoot, if we can do it on accident, I'm sure we can do this thing on purpose. <laughs> That's when our first true investment, we purchased a fourplex, did that property. Then after we repositioned it, I mean, getting it from being a garbage property to a really nice property, we were able to refinance and get a lot of our cash back out. So then we could buy another fiveplex and kind of moved up to commercial. And that's how our passive income started to grow. Were you primarily then going from one property to another property? Or are you going from one property and then buying two properties and then from two properties, three properties like Monopoly? Yeah, it's an exponential growth. A lot of people assume like when you have your plan, you know, I'm going to buy one in year one, another one in year two and another one in year three. It's not how it has to work. You can do it that way. But no, it definitely is a logarithmic growth. What slowed us down, though, is two things. One, we ran out of money. <laughs> we need money to keep buying up all these assets. But two, the market is just really on fire right now. And we are really disciplined about what we buy. So we say no a lot. And that's unfortunately left us with a little bit of cash without having the property behind it. But before that happened, so before the market went crazy, we were on our second multifamily and we had run out of capital. We were looking for something to generate cash faster than our jobs, or at least supplement our jobs so we can get more cash and continue this buying spree. We were initially going to look at flipping houses for that quick cash, but someone came and taught us you can flip land without doing any renovation, without dealing with any tenants, without any contractors and all those headaches. And it's faster, right? It might take you six months, eight months to go through the full renovation of a property, of a house, where it's vacant land, you buy it, you turn around, put it for sale, sign on it the next day. There's nothing to do. We did that. We made $13,000 on our first deal. And since then, we were like, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> oh, and we did that in four weeks, which is crazy. Wow. Now you've really caught my attention because I've been interested in investing in real estate like that, but I just really didn't want to deal with the tenants and all of the maintenance. And I do tax returns for people who have rental properties. So I see like all the stuff that they spend money and I'm like, ugh. and then they got to deal with the tenants or pay someone to manage it. But Land? Hmm. Okay. I live in Portland, Oregon, and real estate is just going crazy here. Years ago, I used to live in Florida, and I know that 
real estate in Florida, it's at a different speed, I think, than out here. But I think it depends on where you're at in Florida. It's probably really picked up since I've lived there for sure. But are you looking at primarily Florida as the place where you're buying land and flipping it or are you going to other states? That's a really cool question. And let me answer it by saying, we don't have to see anything that we buy. Unlike a house where you have to see, is the kitchen remodeled? Is the toilet leaking? Are there foundational issues? You really should inspect that property so that you can calculate all your costs and buy it at the proper price. With land, what was there on Google Earth last year is probably what's there this year. On my very first property, the one that I told you I made $13,000 on, we did buy it locally. It was here in Orlando. It's about an hour from my home. We went down. We were so excited. Drove down there and we were like, there's nothing to see. Why did we waste our time? In our highest volume year, we flipped 28 properties and we didn't see a single one of them. Because of that, the thing is, you get to go where the market is. I live here in Orlando and I don't really invest here in Orlando because it is crazy right now. So I have pockets in different parts of Florida that I invest in. I like Georgia a lot. I like Tennessee, some great vistas out there and the land is still really reasonable. You don't have to be where the land is. I've got like a million questions, so I'm going to try to narrow it down. With these purchases, I would imagine if you are flipping from one to the next to avoid capital gains, you're doing a 1031 exchange. I'm assuming. Ah, that's a good question. I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay. No, because I'm, I'm actually using that money and I need the money. Oh, I guess I could flip it and then 1031 it into another property. The reason why I don't do that is twofold. One, it takes a couple of pieces of land to be able to afford another multifamily and the time limit. It's happening at such a high volume. I'm out of that time limit. It's a little challenging. But secondly, I'm not really buying the property very much. Not often. So rather than purchasing the property, I will assign it or I'm doing a double close pretty quickly. Do those things make sense to you or no? No, I don't even know what that is. Okay, okay so you're going to have to define that for me. I'm not familiar with those terms. Okay, what was the first one? Assigning. In this scenario, let's talk about a house. People are familiar with that. The day that you decide you're going to buy this house, you sign a contract saying, you know, I, Jansen Young, will buy this house, but I don't actually pay for it that day. So from the time that I sign the contract to the time that we actually get to closing and I pay for it, it could be 30, 45, sometimes 60 days, right? Now, if I'm buying a piece of property, I have all of that time to find somebody else who wants it more than I do. Those other investors will pay me to cross off my name and put their name in the contract. Oh, no way. They will pay $5,000, $10,000. i have gotten paid $56,000 to cross off my name and put their name in the contract. Wow. Do you have to offer them chocolates on top of that? That is incredible. Well, they're a killer piece of property. So that's the good thing for them. So the key to making this work is really buying it right. You know, you buy the property at the right price. You can have a nice little markup in there and someone else can still buy that property and develop it, build their dream home. And it's still a great value to them. Okay. So that's called a signing. What was the second term that you used? That's a double closing. Okay, what is a double closing? In that example where I got paid $56,000, that's another investor. He knows his numbers. He doesn't care how much I get paid. He's happy to pay me because he wants me to go find some more property and do it again for him. Say I 
offer you a piece of property and say, okay, you can buy this property for 10,000. Oh, and by the way, you owe me 56,000 for finding it. You laugh in my face. (laughs) That'd be ridiculous. In that case where I don't want the end buyer to know what I paid for it, what I'll do is I will actually buy the property and then I'll sell it to them on the same day. It's a little bit of a coordination, but the title companies will make all of that work. So when we get to the end of our day 45 or day 60, all of us come to the table and at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll buy the property. And then at two o'clock in the afternoon, I will sell the property and all the money changes hands that way. Oh, okay. So at that point, do you have all the cash up front or is this based on part of a down payment, part of a loan, and then you pay off the loan there? Or how does that work? Good question. And I'll answer that in two ways. In that second example where we're talking about the double close, in certain states, Oregon is not one of them, but in certain states like Florida and Georgia, you can do this as well. The title companies don't care As long as the money is there from the end buyer, they don't really care if I bring my money. I'm just one more account that they have to wash out at the end of the day. It just gets confusing. Rather than require that I bring my own money to close at 10 o'clock in the morning, they're just like, just sign the papers, Jazz, and I'll call you at two o'clock and I'll make sure everything's dispersed. So in both of those scenarios, whether you're signing or double closing, I don't have to bring my own money to the table at all. I'm just collecting checks. Oh, wow. Let me just see if I understand this correctly. You are finding pieces of land that could go for more money, even if it's just you holding it for just 30 days to get this whole thing turned around. Assuming you're finding property that someone's going to pay a little bit more for. How are you finding these properties? And you're not doing anything to the land. You're just keeping it the way it was. Yeah. So how do you go about finding these gems? Yeah, it's a lot of looking (laughs) and assisting through a lot of no's. At the end of the day, I'm not really looking for land. I'm looking for problems. Oh, define what you're talking about there. Right. So if someone has a piece of property and they love it, it has been their family forever and they have all these great memories and they want to pass it down to their kids, that's not the person I want to buy from. I'm looking for the person who inherited this property from their grandfather, and it's now owned by three siblings who don't talk to each other and who are fighting over who's going to pay the taxes every year. And the HOA is coming down on them. And the city is complaining because they haven't cut the grass in a month. And now they're getting slapped with liens. That's the person I'm looking for. How do you find those people? Like I said, it's a lot of hunting. I do the easiest way. And I actually, this is my method today. I will go to an area where I do see a lot of activity, land buying and selling. And I will send letters to every single person that owns vacant land in that whole county. Right now, I'm sending about 5,000 letters a month to people to see if they would like to sell their land. So it's a lot of no's before you get a yes, but it's totally worth it when you do. And are you looking at locations where people are looking to put a home pretty quickly on that property? Or are you buying things that are like way out in the middle of nowhere that a (laughs) farmer could buy? That goes to three different types of property that I deal with. First are what we call infill lots. Those are great. Lots of those are in Florida where you've got a development. There's houses everywhere. There's just one lot there that a dude never built his house on. Those are great because they're easy to sell to builders or easy to sell to individuals because they can see what their future house would look like. Just look next door. Those are info lots. The second one 
These are the suburbs or even further than the suburbs, maybe one to five acre properties. So it's still, you know, maybe a 15 minute drive into the city. You've got access to a Walmart. We still want to be in that range. So those pieces of properties do really well. Not so much for builders, but people who just want extra space, ranchers, people who want to have their own chickens. And then the third one is about an hour away from the city center. And that's when you're looking at 10 to 50 acre properties. Those historically, I have been going to individuals for those. But with COVID, we're starting to see builders who wanted to be within 30 to 45 minutes to city center for job purposes and commuting. A lot of developers are buying those lots a little bit further from city center because people can work from home now but they can still afford to buy a brand new house. Yeah, that's been interesting. And I buy all of them. Whoever says yes to me, we're game. Let's do this. There's a lot of stuff going on this planet when it comes to weather. And Florida, you have sinkholes. And then in Texas, all those different southern states, Alabama, they have tornadoes, which can rip apart a home. I think buying land seems, unless you get a sinkhole, it seems like it's fairly safe. Are there certain things that you have to be careful of? And do you have to deal with any kind of insurance when it comes to the land? Good question. So I don't buy property insurance for land that doesn't make a whole lot of, there's something that'll happen. Although when I hold land long-term, I do get liability insurance on it. So in case somebody climbs a tree and breaks their leg on my property, at least I'm covered in that regard. Now in my business model, I don't typically buy land for the purposes of holding it long-term. My goal is for land flipping just to be a cash machine for me because my ultimate goal is retirement. And I can't retire on a pile of cash. And I can retire on cash flow. So I need to get that money to work and like pumping out more for me. So with that said, I will get liability insurance if I'm holding it long-term. And that means if somebody buys land for me, but they don't have all the money, I'll let it cash flow, meaning I'll accept a down payment And then I will accept payments from them until the property is paid off, but we'll structure that as a lease purchase, meaning I own the property the whole time they're making payments. You cannot build on it. You cannot make any changes to it. Don't disturb the neighbors. Please don't call police on my property. It's just not great. But as long as you're making payments, I own the property. At the end of your final payment, I'll sign over the deed, at which case I'll drop my liability insurance. Wow, that's almost like a rent-to-own kind of situation. 100%, yeah. What about foreclosures, land that's maybe foreclosed on? Can you get good deals that way or do you think to stay away from that kind of stuff? I don't go after that kind of stuff. The thing with foreclosures is that not a lot of banks will lend on land. Because of that, you don't have a lot of foreclosures. However... In terms of acquisitions, it's not great, but on dispositions, it's amazing. Because when I go to sell my property, if I know you can't get bank financing or it's really difficult to get bank financing, if you can get bank financing for me, you can pretty much set your terms and your buyers will kiss your feet. They're just so excited. Someone's going to help them with this problem. We're making returns around 12.9% on the property that we're owner financing to our buyers. Whoa, wait a minute. Really? Being that right now, I guess if you were going to get a mortgage for a home, it's two point something percent. Every day it seems like it's fluctuating. But in these situations, you're able to get a much higher interest rate from these people because they're in a situation where they can't really get a loan from the bank anyways. Exactly. But interest does two things. One, it gives me a good return on my capital while I'm waiting to get paid back. When we're in year three and year five, 
I'm actually calling up my borrowers and saying, hey, this interest rate is killing you. Let's talk about your options. Could you get a HELOC? Do you have another line of credit somewhere that's a better rate? If you're thinking about building, you know you can get a construction loan at 4 or 5%, and that'll take care of the land and your building costs. We try to work up win-win solutions together, so I do get my capital back quicker, and they don't have to wait to start their dream. I'm sure that there's a lot of ladies out there listening that are like, oh my God, I want to do this. To start off, how much money do you really need? I mean, I know it depends on how much the property costs. And again, I guess it depends on the state and how much land is in that state. I know you were talking about these different types of wheeling and dealing that you're doing where you don't actually have cash and all of that. But seriously, how much cash do you think someone really needs to get started on this? I will say in terms of buying the property, you don't need the cash because I do not encourage... And I do coach a lot of students on land flipping. I do not encourage my students to actually buy the property. There's too many unknowns to actually buy and take on that risk. In my previous example with the house, I told you it's 45 to 60 days to close. In the land flipping business, our standard contract is six months. So you've got a long time to not pay for that property and find another buyer. And if you can't do that in six months, there is something you don't know. You shouldn't buy that property anyway. You need to back out. Okay, so you can back out after all that time? You can. Oh, no way. You put something down though, right? Haven't you? Some kind of earnest money or no? We don't do that, no. Really? Oh my God, you're blowing my mind here. So with that said, the limit to how many offers you can write there's no limit. Just write up the offer and wait for somebody to say yes. There's no limit to how quickly you can do this. And you could do this in any state in America? Yeah, any state. What about going to someplace like Puerto Rico? Have you done it, tried anything like that or like any place overseas? You're just basically in the true U.S. market. So the challenge with Puerto Rico and the broader challenge outside of the U.S. is that other countries take their privacy quite seriously. We don't hear. (laughs) When I say I go to the county and I ask for, and all of you can do this today. If you type in your county in Google, property appraiser. So just in my case, that would be Seminole County property appraiser. Type that in. You can call that number and you can ask for, hey, can I get a list of every single person that owns vacant land in this area? And they will give it to you. Most cases for free. In most counties in Florida, you can download it online at any time. No login, no question. Wow. Now you just made me think about appraising. So do you ever have to get the land appraised or you don't have to worry about that? Now, the appraisal only comes into place if the value of the property is called into question. And the only time that's going to happen is if you're working with a third-party lender or if you have a buyer who wants to do something really big on the property. I will say for my higher priced properties, like when we're talking about land that's worth two and $300,000, I will actually pay for an appraisal on that just so that when I'm marketing to go find a buyer, it's like, hey, don't take my word for it. Here's a third party appraisal. So it's not required. But again, if the value of the property is in question, it's always a good tool. And for a couple hundred bucks, you know, why not? Yeah. You're not spending any money with the purchase. It's just incredible. Hold on. I I don't want to leave the wrong impression because the limitation of writing a bunch of offers, buying the land. So just to recap, go to your county property appraiser site and you can get the list of everyone who owns vacant land for free. Contacting those people, that costs money. And in my case, it costs a lot of money because I'm contacting a lot of people. Now, are you talking about like time is money or are you talking about you have to actually pay to get their contact information? 
Ah, good question. Both. You can do it a couple of ways. I use direct mail marketing. The property appraiser website is already going to have their name and address. So I can send a letter, but every letter is going to cost me 80 cents or something to pop that in the mail. So you send 5,000 letters a month and it starts to add up a little bit. And that's where your budget is. It's the marketing. Okay. I get those kind of letters all the time because people in my neighborhood, they want to tear down my house and put up a duplex. Now I know. Okay. They're not scammers. They're just waiting for the right person with the right problem. And if you're not the one, you know, just throw it in garbage. You're not the one. That's fine. Yeah. I do want to ask you about TikTok before we wrap up. You've been utilizing TikTok to promote yourself. Now, is that for your purchasing of the land or is that for these other businesses that you've established? Excellent question. Social media is designed for different things and there's different audiences that gravitate to it. So TikTok, your audience skews a little bit younger. That was pre-COVID. I don't know about now because I feel like everybody's (laughs) watching these cute little videos. So I use TikTok to find people who are interested in a side hustle because with land flipping, I can bring more people into this world. I'm just putting out good quality content to educate people on this topic so that they go out and start to do more research and get into this business. And a lot of that, it has to do with affiliate marketing with the land coaching program that we have as well. So that's what TikTok is really good for. As far as finding deals on TikTok for land, it's not really the right audience. You go by on TikTok flipping without rehab. What does the rehab mean? Does that mean because you don't have to do anything to the land? Yeah. Yeah. So whenever people think about flipping houses or think about real estate in general, HDTV is the first thing that pops up. And somebody else was, one of my friends asked me, she's like, this sounds so incredible. Like, why have I never heard of it? It's because it makes for terrible TV. Going back to your whole thing with finding buyers, are you friends with realtors? Does that help to have some connections with lawyers, realtors? How are you finding these people? Ask. It's really that simple. Facebook, social media is just incredible if you use it for the right reasons. In Facebook, whenever I go into a new market, what I'll uh, generally do is look up like Seminole County. I'm just using that as an example. Like what's the big city in Seminole County? We'll say Altamont. Okay. So I'll go to Altamont Springs Investors. And then Facebook will tell you, hey, here are a bunch of groups of people in this area that are investors and here's what they do. You join that group of local investors and just ask, hey guys, do you have any title companies that do double closings? Do you know of any investor-friendly title companies or lawyers? That's the key term, investor-friendly. And then they'll give you the right people to talk to. Okay, we got to know that lingo. Okay, and let's talk about how people can work with you. You mentioned coaching. Tell us all the things. You've got this company called Private Money Institute. And so is that the coaching or is that something else? That's Okay, so let's marry all this. Remember, my whole goal is retirement. So there is a common thread here. So retirement, we were using apartments to give us rental. We ran out of money, so we had to start flipping land, and that became our cash machine. In the land flipping, the whole idea was to flip land and then buy more rentals. Right now in this market, it's a little overheated. So rather than buying rentals, we started just selling our land with owner financing terms. So we are able to collect cash flow at a pretty good return, like I talked about. Unfortunately, I still have people who insist on paying me cash for these lots. So I've got this unwanted pile of money and I couldn't really find, at least in my market, I wasn't able to find more multifamilies that fit my buying criteria. 
rather than just sit on all this cash, I started going to other land flippers and say, hey guys, I know exactly what you do. If you are also selling your land on terms, I want that 12.9%. I'll give you the cash today. Just give me the note so I can keep my money working for me. And I started buying up all of these land investors' notes at really good rates, 15, uh, 20% returns for me. And I ran out of cash again. But because I was doing this so much, other people started coming and saying, hey, I'm sitting on a pile of cash and I'd like to earn 15% return on something where the, the asset, the land is on, it's 50% or my investment is 50% of what the land is worth and I can earn great returns on it. Why not? So that's how this whole evolution happened. It's Bank of Jazz. That's right. I am the bank. The Private Money Institute, uh, is that what you just described? Yes. Yeah. So if you want to connect with me, please do. As you can see, I can chat all day. The best way to connect with me is just by checking out flippingwithoutrehab.com. So whether you're interested in flipping vacant land without rehab or just flipping your money and investing in notes, I'm more than happy to help you with both of those and and get you pointed in the right direction. People can find you on TikTok and your website is flippingwithoutrehab.com. Is that where the coaching part comes in? Yes. So uh, on both sides, if you go to flipping without rehab, there is coaching available for land flipping. I'm intimately involved with the land profit generator. And I really encourage if what I've said today, even sparks your interest, check it out. We need more people in this business because a lot of people talk about it's so hard to get a deal in real estate. Yeah, but there's still people out there who are, you know, not talking to their siblings because they're fighting over a tax bill every year. How stupid is that? They're ruining Thanksgiving because of a piece of property. And you could change that whole family dynamic. We do need more people out there helping out. Thank you so much, Jensen. This has been completely enlightening for me. I did not know all these things. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Cool. You have been so much fun, Heather. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 